Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there's a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. With everything going on around you, with everything raging in this world, just be still and know that I am God. Stillness and silence is uncomfortable. I understand that. Because we're not used to that. We're used to the waters raging and the world raging around us and things constantly being thrown at us, whether it's in front of our eyes, whether it's something we're listening to. We're just we're we're bombarded every day with noise and movement and lights and sound. But when we come into a moment like this and we just choose to be still and know who he is. It acknowledges his presence in our life. We're not just moving from one thing to the next thing and on to the next after that. No, no, no. We're stopping to be still and just wait on the Lord. To just wait on him and acknowledge who he is and that he's here right now. And that it's not just something the pastor says or the worship team talks about. No, no, no. It's a real thing that's happening in this room. That when we just sit and listen, we begin to feel him stirring our hearts. There's something within us right now. We know he's moving and he's working in the room. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Stillness and silence is one of our most powerful weapons we can take against the enemy. The enemy wants us distracted. He wants us looking in every different directions. He wants us listening to all these different voices in this world. But if we would just sit and listen to the still, small voice of God, he's still speaking and he's still moving today. That's part of why so many people get uprooted in this season. They're too busy listening to every other voice except the Lord's voice. They're too busy looking out at what's going on around them and looking out in the world and they get distracted or they get distraught and they get worried. And that's all they can focus on. But if we would just sit and be still and wait upon the Lord, 
Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. There's something he wants to build within this house in this season. He's building unity in this house. Matthew 13, verse 22. Matthew 13, 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. He healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Every kingdom, verse 25, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. I always thought of that because he's talking about Satan and Satan's kingdom there. Until recently, I never actually thought of that same thing for the church. But it's a truth he's teaching. It's not just for Satan's kingdom, it's for any kingdom. And that includes his kingdom. That's a biblical truth that he's laying down for people right there. If a kingdom is divided against itself, it is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. He's building unity within the church in this season. There's a refining process that is happening in the church across the world and here in America today. He's preparing a clean bride, a bride wearing white. That's the church. And that means creating and building unity within her. Sometimes it's hard and it's difficult when we see those that we know and that we love and that we were planted with, when we see them remove themselves from the body, when we see them get uprooted. That's a hard thing. But in those seasons, we have to trust that the pruning that he's doing, it's for our good, it's for our benefit as a body, as, a, as part of his kingdom, and that there's unity being built in this season. It's something powerful that he's building here in this house. A strong sense of unity as we learn how to walk and listen to the Holy Spirit's voice in our lives. Luke 14, 
Verse 15. Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Everyone's invited. But not everyone's going to choose to stay. Not everyone's going to choose to join in. But the invite goes out to the entire world. The invite to the feast, it goes out to everyone. Some will make excuses. Some will care more about their possessions. Some will care more about power. Some will care more about pleasure. And some will care more about people. There's things in this world that we just keep chasing after. And we just keep putting the Lord secondary. And we keep making excuse after an excuse. But everyone is invited. And we're called as his church, to go and compel those. That means, I mean, that word, there's an urgency behind that word. To go and to compel those to come to the feast, there's an urgency there. That's what he's saying. Compel them with, with everything you have, with everything within you, urge them to come into the house. Urge them to come to the feast. For some, it's not going to take much convincing. For some, when they hear just the fact that they're invited, they're going to receive that word. They're going to receive that invite and they're hungry for it because they're the poor, they're the lame, they're the maimed. They're those that have been walked all over in this world. There's some of you here today. That's been you. The world has run you over. It has destroyed you. It's tried to take everything from you. But when you heard about who Jesus is and what he's done and that he's invited you into his house... You ran to get to the house. When you heard what he was doing, when you first saw what he was doing, you've done everything in your power ever since then to be in his house, to be in his presence, and to say yes to him and what he's doing in your life. You know and you're hungry. You're hungry for the feast. You want the bread that only he can provide. 
That's what people are experiencing in this season. In this house, this is a house of revival. There's a revival happening. And some of you, you're not really hungry yet. You're here because you have to be. You're here because you feel like, oh, I should be here. Let me tell you something. I'm praying today that there's a holy hunger that enters into you right here, right now. I'm praying for a holy hunger in our church that we just want to run to be at the feast. We want to run and we will not grow weary. We'll do anything and everything we can to just get into his presence. Just to sit and listen for his voice. There's some of you, you got that holy hunger already. You're running and you're chasing and you want more and more of him. And you want to get to the house. You want to get in his presence. We got a family. They've been coming from York, Nebraska since the beginning of this year. Because they're hungry for his presence. Yes, God is moving. Like they just, they know. They have felt his presence. They've heard his voice. They're seeing him move. And for them, a two-hour trip is nothing to get to his house. And for some of us in the world, we got excuses. I, you guys are down in North Omaha. I can't drive the extra 10 or 15 minutes. They're driving two hours. The excuses have to get buried today because it's worth it to get into his presence. What he's done for us and what he is doing within us, it's worth laying down everything. Everything that we keep making and bringing the excuses to the table with, it's worth burying those today just to be in his presence. To listen to his voice, to get planted in the house of the Lord. Ezekiel 36 Verse six, he's called us to fill the house. He's given us a mission. He's given us a call. It's the great commission. Fill the house. We're coming into a season as his people are getting planted. We're going to see more and more as the roots grow down deep. There is a, there's a produce, there's fruit that begins to produce within the life of the church. And we're coming into a season of growth as a church. We're coming into a season where he's going to add to our number because people see what's going on here and they're compelled. They're compelled by your life. They see your life and they see that there's something different about you. They see there's something changing. They see that there's something being renewed, being sanctified, being transformed. And they want that. People are hungry for the fruit of God, for the fruit of his kingdom, for the fruit of righteousness. And so right now we're coming into a season where we're going to see people being compelled to come and get planted in the house because they see what's happening in your life. As you've chosen to be planted in the house, they see the fruit that's being produced. Ezekiel 36 verse 6 says this, Therefore prophesy. Concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains, the hills, the rivers and the valleys. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and my fury because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. But you 
O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches. There is an exponential growth happening in this season. Branches are going to shoot forth. There's going to be things that begin to happen in this season. The timetable won't make sense to people. They're going to see life transformation happening. They're going to see growth happening. They're going to see changes happen. And it's going to be like branches shooting forth. If you were to see a tree branch, just shoot forth supernaturally. That's what we're going to see in the church. Not just here at Revival, but the church as a whole in this season. We're seeing supernatural growth. Branches shooting forward. Yielding your fruit to my people Israel. For they are about to come. For indeed, I am for you. And I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. Some of you, you feel that right now. When hard ground is being tilled, it's difficult. But it's worth it. Because if you want to be fruitful, you got to let him plow the ground. you got to let him till the soil. And that means laying down everything you've been holding on to in this world, every excuse that you've been holding on to and saying, no, 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 I I can't make it right now. I I, I can't make you a priority right now. I I can't do what you're telling me to do. I can't lay that down in my life. I got all these excuses. I got all these things I'm chasing after in the world. No, no, no. If we would just lay it down and let him do a work within us to till the soil of our hearts, to let the seed of the word of God be sown within us? There's something miraculous that's going to take place in this season. It's already beginning to happen. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. The church is being rebuilt in this season. Revival is being rebuilt as a part of the church in our city in Omaha. It's being rebuilt in the way God called it to be built back in the first place. Back when he gave us a framework in Corinthians and what he taught us in Ephesians, what Paul laid down for the foundations of the truth that he received from Jesus as a blueprint for the church that we moved away from and we said, no, 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 we know better today. We don't need those old ways. No, 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 we'll do it a new way. No, I'm telling you the old ways are better because they're the only way. It's his way. He's given us a blueprint and we're receiving a download in this season to return to what he's called the church to be. He's rebuilding the ruins. Somewhere along the way, the church moved away from those first blueprints that he gave those leaders. And we shifted And we moved from a church to a business. We moved from a church to a corporation. We moved from a church to a nonprofit. We shifted. Our entire language shifted. Everything. But we're moving back to his ways. Because he's rebuilding what the church has moved away from. That's what he's called revival to do. That's what revival is. It's going back. You can't go forward until you go back. You can't go forward until you deal with what he wants you to deal with behind you. And until you go back to the blueprint that he's already given you. That's how revival moves forward in this world. 
We go back to the blueprint, his word and what it says. I will multiply upon you man and beast and they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times. And do better for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. As we see the increase, we'll know it comes only from him. As we see what he's doing, as, he's, as we see the branches shoot forward and we see the fruit produced of his kingdom and not our own. Well, no, this is from him. Yes, I will cause men to walk on you. My people Israel, they shall take possession of you and you shall be their inheritance. No more shall you bereave them of children. Mark 4, verse 26. This is Jesus again speaking. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, after the full grain in the head. But when the wheat, when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. We're coming into a harvest season. Matthew 13, verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while the man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. The tares looked like wheat as they were growing together until eventually they could see it was actually a weed and not wheat. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. That's a difficult thing. Because although some are choosing in this season to not be planted, you will begin to find that as the church continues to grow, there's wheat and there's tares growing up together. So in all things, we strive for unity because a house divided against itself cannot stand. But we also trust the work of the Holy Spirit and we trust what he's doing and that what he is uprooting, what he's pulling out, what he's pulling away is exactly what we need pulled away. And he's doing it at exactly the right time. So it's easy to get discouraged sometimes when we see somebody that we thought was planted in the house and we start to see their life moving on and moving out of the house. And maybe they're connected in another house. Maybe they're just off on their own. And I'm telling you, as shepherds, we do have a call on our life to chase down sheep that stray. But there's wisdom and discernment that we have to walk in and know when it's a sheep that has strayed from the flock. Or if it's a tear that God is pulling out and saying, no, 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 this doesn't belong. 
It's another thing that we have to look at internally and say, God, what am I choosing right now in my life? Am I working towards unity? Or am I sowing seeds of rebellion and disunity? That's the difference between a wheat and a tear. Are you building up? Are you working towards unity? Or are you pulling away nutrients that the house needs? That's what a tear, that's what a weed does. A weed is wasting space in the house. And it's pulling away and it's dividing. And it's taking nutrients that the wheat needs. And so for all of us, we have to take a look and we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask the Lord. Right now, my choices that I'm making, my actions that I'm participating in. Am I building the house in unity or am I tearing and dividing the house into disunity? Am I a wheat or a tear? The great thing is, because of the blood of Jesus, transformation and renewal is always possible. Because I'll tell you, the house I was planted in before this house, I didn't realize it. I, I thought I was wheat. I thought I was great. I thought I was like best, you know, prime crop. I can look back on my life now and I can see, oh, no, no. I was a tear more often than I was a weed. I was a weed more often than I was something productive that he wanted to produce in his kingdom. You have to let the Holy Spirit refine you and teach you and show you and reveal to you where you're in error, where you're walking in disunity, where you're walking in rebellion, where you're walking counter to what he's called you to walk in. Let him reveal that within your heart today. Because if you're not building the church up in unity, then I'm telling you, you're not walking as wheat. You're walking as a tear. The Holy Spirit is always moving towards unity, not disunity. More often than not, in my previous ministry life, I was sowing seeds of rebellion. I, and, and I did it in just such a nice way because I'm, you know, I would just do it in a way that just kind of made myself look good and made everyone else look like the bad guys. And, you know, I just knew all the right language to use to gather people to me. That's called an Absalom spirit. Absalom was one of David's sons. And he was rebellious. And what he did is he would sit at the gate after he had rebelled and he would sow more seeds of rebellion in the house. And he looked good. It said he, he had nice looks. He was one of the best looking guys in the land. He had long flowing hair. He, he looked the part of a king. And what he would do, he would sit at the gate and he would just sow little seeds of rebellion at the gate. And he would just ask people that looked disgruntled or mad or angry. He would just ask them, what's wrong? What's going on? And they, they would tell him, and he, he would just say little nice things like, oh, if I was king, I would do this. And I used to sit at the gate of the church I was at, and I used to say, if I was pastor, I would do this. I was a tear. That was evil. That was demonic. I was sowing seeds of disunity into that church. The Holy Spirit had to do a work in me and he had, he had to bring me to a place of repentance. But you can't repent until you're aware. And so some of you today, that's what you need in your life. You need to realize and understand. You need to become aware today. You need your eyes open at where you've been sowing disunity. Whether it's in the church, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your work. Because guess what? All authority is established by God. 
And so when we honor authority, we honor God. That means when we dishonor authority, we dishonor God who has established all authority in our lives. Are you a wheat or a tear? Sit with him today. Let him do a work within you. And if he reveals something to you, repent and move forward. Because you don't have to be a tear anymore. It's a choice. Unity and disunity, it's a choice. Honor and dishonor, it's a choice. You don't have to keep going the direction you've been going. You can repent. That's the beauty of repentance. It's just saying, I was going this way, I was living this way, but I don't want to live that way anymore because it doesn't honor who he is and what his word says. And I want to honor him above all things, above everyone. Are you a weed or a tear? Worship team, I want to invite you guys up as we prepare to close. There's another story this week I've just been dwelling on. I had this, I had this dream. Actually, it was more like a nightmare. But I felt like God was just showing me something in this dream a little over a week ago, about a week and a half ago. In this dream, I'm in my house, and there's these two just small little mice. And I mean, they were just so small, like, I mean, just like very small, not just the most small, insignificant mice like you've ever seen. And I thought, oh, I can just like, I can just take this magazine, I had like some rolled up magazine, I can just take this magazine and I can just swat them and that'll take care of the problem. Like, that's it. It's going to be done. And so I just took this magazine and I just swatted them and I thought, they looked, they looked like bugs to me. They were so small. And I thought, that, that'll, that'll kill the mice. They'll kill the problem in the house and everything will be better. But when I lifted up the magazine, they ran out. And they ran back behind the stairs. And so I walked back there. I was like, all right, I got I to gotta take care of this problem. And I walked back there and I looked and and I I didn't see the two mice anymore. I just saw the most disgusting, like dog-sized rat creature I've ever seen in my life. Like it, you've seen a rat tail, how long and disgusting they are. I mean, it was, it was disturbing as I saw it, as I looked underneath the stairs. It was disturbing to think that this was in my house. And I saw it start to creep out from under the stairs into the living room where everything happens. It had been hiding under the stairs. And I saw it begin to move and work its way out into the living room. And and when I woke up, I felt in my spirit, I knew what God was saying. The house is the church. 
This is God's house. His church is the house. And sometimes we just look at some of these things and we think, oh, it's just small, it's insignificant, it's not that big of a deal. We do this all the time with our sin, right? We just do this all the time. We're just like, it's not that big of a deal. Just a little, you know, just a little, you know, swat. Like, that'll take care of the problem. And we don't actually deal with what God wants us to deal with and we don't deal with it the way he wants us to deal with it because we don't take sin as seriously as God takes it. We don't hate what he hates. But that's what he wants to teach us in this season to build unity. Because we're united by what we love and who we love, but we're also united by what we choose to hate. And yes, there are things God hates. There are sins, every sin. God hates sin. It's disobedience. It's rebellion. He wants us to learn to hate what he hates in this season. And if we don't, if we keep taking lightly what he takes seriously, it turns into something disturbing. It turns into what we've seen in the church in America. A church that tucks sin lightly for too long and said it's not that big of a deal. Love is love. Do what you want. Do what you feel like. Because there's more and more grace. Yes, there's grace. But without truth, that cheapens grace. That cheapens what Jesus did on the cross for each and every one of us in here. No, no, no. There's truth and there's grace. And he loves you. Even in your sin, even in your mess, he chose to die for us. That we can be covered by his blood. And because he's a good father, we don't cheapen grace. We don't take sin lightly. No, we learn to walk with him, to talk with him, to love what he loves, to love who he loves, and to hate what he hates. That's what he's teaching us in this season, and it's going to unite us as a church in this season. As our roots continue to grow down deep, and he matures us to another level, as he matures us to another level of fruitfulness within our lives, within this church. He wants to reproduce what's happening here. But only if we're willing to love what he loves, to love who he loves, and to hate what he hates. I'm believing this year that he's given us land, he's given us place, he's given us provision, he's given us a season of more. He's given us a season of increase. That's what's coming as we learn to walk the way he wants us to walk, to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. But he's given us this only if we'll steward it well, if we'll take the mission, if we'll take the invite and we'll go out to the highways and we'll go out to the roads, if we'll go out to Hastings, if we'll go out to York, if we'll go out to McCook and we'll compel his people 
to come home. If we'll compel his people, if we'll urge them with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength to come back to his house because they're invited to the feast. There's not going to be any increase. He's not going to trust us with anything until we steward what he's already given us. Church, he's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is moving and working and speaking today. And he's compelling us forward. It's time to start stewarding what he's given us. He's given us the hope of the world. Go out into every place, every lane, every road and compel the people to come home. If you haven't come home yet, today's your day. You can come forward. You can come down to the altar today. In fact, church, let's stand up as we get ready to worship. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want that today, if you want to say, Lord, I want to love what you love and I want to hate what you hate. I want to seek you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength all the days of my life. Come forward. Come find somebody on the ministry team. Come find me down here at the front, off to the sides. We've got our ministry team set up here. Today's a good day to give your life to Jesus. Don't wait anymore.